everybody. I'm Kelly Ellers. I'm Jeffrey Lennon. And this is Volume Up by the Tees. Jeff, amid everything that's happening in the world, I've got a really hot topic, something I would like to call a bone to pick, if you will. Wow. All right. Well, I mean, there are a lot of things happening, so this has got to be something interesting. Light on me. This is for you to just like zone out of the world and zone into something that's completely materialistic and irrelevant. And that is the show for us Americans, Emily in Paris, for the Parisians, Amalie in Paris. (laughs) Two different, said two different ways, same show, Mm. but Mm. can the girl... Can she take those pin curls and can she shake them out a little bit? Shake them out. Shake them out. They're too tight. That's what I have for you right here. Well, <laughs> I have only seen a few episodes of the first season. I could not bring myself to continue. It's And it was it, rough then. It's All of the promo seems to suggest that she kept that hairstyle. So, yep. It doesn't move. It doesn't move under the horrible bucket hats horrible. or berets too she's really into like a headwear moment Rain or shine umbrella no umbrella the hair mm. the pink girls are glued in and i don't mm. think it's the look we're going for in 2022 that is my very non-important yet something that is really bugging me topic for today well i'm glad that you got to share i feel like others the listeners here are going to appreciate that sorry to the hairstylist Sorry, key hair. I mean, ew. yeah. You, know, anyway, you win some, you lose some. Win some, you lose some. <laughs> on last week's episode, I spoke with Royal and Melissa Ellis. Melissa is a Utah licensed master esthetician, California licensed esthetician, licensed aesthetics instructor, certified lash technician, and professional makeup artist. Who? some titles there. Uh, She also has a brief background in law enforcement through the LAPD. Royal Ellis was a police officer also in the LAPD for five years. The skills he learned translated into vital information for service professionals that result in increased sales, higher quality clients, and improved business structure. They joined us last week to talk all about themselves, coaching salon owners, and social media. If you like learning more about the industry, those who are enacting change and creating a better world, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tease and send in questions to my friend Jeffrey at volumeup at thetease.com. Make it happen. This week, I spoke with Elma Boganovich. Elma is a digital marketing authority who has been called the epicenter of influence by Forbes and credited by Yahoo News as the driving force behind her digital empire, A&E. She's one of the top U.S. influencers with over a million followers on social media. Ms. Boganovich is the COO and co-founder of A&E, a digital agency, and she's in charge of building the company's list of world-renowned partners and clients. Her area of expertise includes PR, She's responsible for hundreds of top media news placements. She joins us to talk about the inner workings of influencer marketing, including her own experience working with brands as a content creator, as well as tips for brands on how to make the most of their partnerships with influencers. You're not going to want to miss this one, especially if you want to get in on content creation that's sponsored. But before we get to that conversation, we're going to talk about something that's trending pretty much everywhere for all of the wrong reasons if you work for Procter & Gamble, and that is P&G's dry shampoo recall. Mm. Everybody's talking about it, so naturally it's on the tease.com. Shout out to the team. So let's check out 
a little bit of this article, everything you need to know about P&G's dry shampoo recall. The next time you find yourself reaching for your favorite dry shampoo, you might want to check the label. P&G, aka Procter & Gamble, the parent company behind go-to brands like Head & Shoulders, Aussie, Pantene, etc., has issued a voluntary recall as of December 17th for more than 30 dry shampoo and dry conditioners across several of its brands due to the presence of benzene, a known cancer-causing agent. According to P&G's recall statement issued by the FDA, the recalled items do not contain high enough levels of benzene to pose any health concerns for people, and while the company has noted that they have not received any reports of adverse events, they conducted this recall out of, quote, an abundance of caution, end quote. Head to theteas.com to learn more. Kelly, mm. were any of your favorite dry shampoos on the list? No, absolutely not, because I'm pro-only. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, no mm-hmm. way, no. How? <laughs> and no I'm upset about this, Okay. It actually makes me think, okay, if the if the products are not manufactured in a facility where there is benzene, how to get in there? Mm-hmm. I mean, it reminds so, us of our conversation that we had with Dr. Peasley a couple of weeks mm-hmm. back about all sorts of unfun chemicals in products. Uh, and this is looking like we're in the same situation. I mean, this one hits home hard for me in the fact that I love a dry shampoo so much (laughs) I I depend on it okay and so I'm thankful I haven't been spraying the Pantene Aussie Herbal Essence Waterless Old Spice and hair food all over these locks and I feel bad that people have been and I'm glad it's getting off the shelf come on PNG I mean it just seems like if it's not in the formulation it shouldn't be there uh, and something's in this. So good on them for voluntarily recalling it before being forced to. Mm-hmm. Yes. Get that off your shelf. Put it in the garbage if you have it. Head yeah, over to thetease.com to see some wonderful roundups listicles on dry shampoos that we feel comfortable recommending. They do not contain benzene. Speaking mm-hmm. of things that are on thetease.com, Something that's a little bit more positive from this Mm -hmm. past week. This is one of our trending stories. An article called The Biggest Wig and Extension Trends You'll Be Seeing Everywhere in 2022, now that the new year is upon us. If there's one thing that wig wearers can look forward to in 2022, it's all of the fresh and exciting wig trends that are on the rise. The team talked with Brittany Johnson, a licensed hairstylist and the senior content manager for Maven, a Black-owned wig and extension company. And she shared that 2022 brings fresh perspective, newfound hopefulness, and style trends that make what was once a throwback-inspired look new again. Head to thetees.com for the trends that she's identified. See them all there. But Kelly, let's talk real quick, because I know that in addition to a dry shampoo, you love mm. an extension. Oh, do, do I? You have, <laughs> do you have any predictions, any trends that you're you seeing know, that you anticipate for 2022? One of my favorite brands is Hotheads. And I actually just got off the phone with them a while ago talking about what they're seeing from wefts to tapins to to fusion and they noted that one of the trends they're seeing is actually a mix of different types of um, application and i thought that was really interesting i had never heard that before so they want to be very very customized in what they do so perhaps you know how how much you put your hair up how much you 
sweat, how much heat is on your hair. And so I thought that was really interesting. A hybrid mix of weft tapen infusion for 2022 is what I'm going to be on the lookout for. We love options. Mm-hmm. All about it. Uh, some additional good news on the tease.com, something that builds on the positive trend story is that Tennessee salon pros are now required by law to undergo domestic violence training. So this is brand new, January 1. Uh, hairstylists, we know, provide more than incredible haircuts for their clients. They often provide therapy. And now a new Tennessee law about domestic violence training will be making this safe space concept a whole lot more official. Under new legislation that went into effect on January 1, all licensed stylists and barbers in the state will be required to complete up to one hour of mandatory domestic violence training, either in person or online, at no cost. This new requirement will see that all 50,000 of the state's licensed salon bros will have the resources to spot signs of domestic abuse, know how to respond appropriately, and how to offer domestic violence victims the help and support that they need. This is incredible. We love this. Yes. Read all about it on thetease.com, but let's talk about it a little bit. It sounds great, but it's also a little bit heavy uh, yes. for these hairstylists who are not actually trained therapists. Uh, certainly, it's out of responsibility. Should we be thinking about implementing this across the U.S.? What are your thoughts on this? You know, I don't see any. I guess I'd have to think about what the negative implications could be if perhaps something was potentially spotted and it wasn't the case and, and this and that. But I mean, I think this new training and requirement in the state of Tennessee would be a welcome addition across the board. I mean, it, it's interesting because there's very few people that are so close to you or touching you or your hair and so close in your space, even now in COVID mm-hmm. more so. Mm-hmm. And so the more people we have out there looking out for the well-being of others you know, specifically in this case, a domestic violence um, realm. Um, I think it's all good. What do you think? I think it's great. I mean, it sounds like from the article that Tennessee's got a real issue with domestic violence. They ranked ninth in nation. Uh, So it sounds like this is especially needed in that context. But there are a bunch of other states that are also thinking about enacting similar legislation. It sounds like, again, provided that there's not any real liability for the hairstylist, that this is a good thing. Um, Because as you said, like more people that are looking out for each other, we're all about it. Uh, curious to see how it's going to roll out, but yeah, good on Tennessee and read more about it on the tease.com. As always so much going on the tease.com. Thank you to our hardworking editors. We are proud to publish the stories that salon pros and consumers care about. Next up my interview with Elma Boganovich. All right, everybody, welcome to the volume up podcast. I am here today with Elma Boganovich. I'm going to read the bio so you guys can get to know her, and then we're going to get into an amazing conversation. Miss Elma Boganovich is a digital marketing authority who has been named by Forbes as epicenter of influence and credited by Yahoo News as the driving force behind her digital empire, A&E. She's one of the top U.S. influencers with over a million followers on social media. Miss Boganovich is the COO and co-founder of A&E Digital Agency, and she's in charge of building the company's list of world-renowned partners and clients. Her area of expertise includes PR, which is responsible for hundreds of top media news placements. Elma, welcome to the Volume Up podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're thrilled to have you here. 
for those who have maybe not read Forbes, could you give us a little bit of your background, a brief rundown on sort of how you got to where you're at? Yeah, so I sort of started off in the traditional career path. Um, sure. I went to law school, uh, went to UM in Florida for like my, the first part, and then ended up at, back in Georgetown for Georgetown Law for my LLM. So sort of invested a lot into the traditional education, traditional path of, you know, being a lawyer. And then um, really by accident, this was like uh, late 2012. Yeah, um, I was still in the LM program. And, you know, I was looking at different job opportunities, again, Mm -hmm. like working as a lawyer. And then my sister one night, it was thanks to her. She said, you know, like uh, basically had a conversation and like do-it-yourself blogs. They were still not very, you know, common. So she set up one night and she said, you know, I'm going to figure out coding, <laughs> like HTML um, yeah, and CSS. And then at the time we were using Blogger. So like WordPress was there, but Blogger was still like, I don't know those of you who remember Blogger. Um, and so, yeah, she put together a first blog and then Facebook like, shortly afterwards just started Facebook pages. So we sort of took advantage of this new, you know, landscape and um, started blogging, putting things out there. And then uh, three months into, we got over 100,000 unique monthly visitors. So saw, saw an opportunity there. <laughs> incredible. Uh, so then what made you decide to start your own company? I mean, it's one thing to sort of think through working with your sister, building up some platforms, building up a bit of a digital presence. What is that shift then from sort of native content creator to company founder uh, and then running a company? Like these are totally different sort of skill sets, um, but it sounds like you might have been prepared based on the legal grounding. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I would suggest to everybody, you know, start early, start young. I kind of wish retrospectively I even started younger because you have a room to make a lot of mistakes. And, you know, when we got into this, nobody knew what social media would become. So it was sort of like, I remember my friends in law school, you know, sort of made fun of me and said, what are you doing? Like taking photos, yeah, of yourself and posting them on the internet. And that was like kind of, you're like a laughing stock because your friends, you know, see what you're doing and they follow you. So, you know, kind of, you know, held my head high. (laughs) And again, like, thanks, you know, to my sister, it was, you know, sort of like, a you know, an effort, you know, partner effort, you know, we, we started going into it. And so basically what started happening is that brands started approaching us. And so mm-hmm. we figured my sister has studied economics at George Mason, and we figured if brands were spending, you know, uh, labor costs included and then product costs and then shipment costs of products or services, there has to be value in what we're doing, which is, you know, as you were saying, like content producing. Um, and then we also got very savvy. We had friends join us to blog, so to create content on our mm-hmm. blog. That furthermore spiked up the viewership and Google picked us up. I remember just like going, you know, out of control with the content. So, you know, we saw like, I remember it was Deborah Lippman, um, you know, and Paris Hilton at the time had her own line of purses. Her manager contacted us. So we're like, okay, there, you know, there has to be something there. And so kind of like put the, you know, the legal, you know, education on hold, started pursuing this. 
and then, um, you know, essentially got to paid posts, right, as influencers. And we started as influencers. Um, and then a little bit, again, moved forward, the same brand started asking us, well, how can we work with you outside of just being influencers? Can you actually replicate your own success on social media and on digital you know, what you've done for yourself, can you do for us? We want to take advantage of this basically like booming digital landscape. Totally. Well, talk to us a little bit about the process of being an influencer. So I know, again, you've gone on, you've graduated, you are building out influencer programs, identifying folks, lining brands up with the right people. But again, you started as a content creator, getting yourself and your sister out there. What is it really like uh, for our audience that doesn't necessarily consider themselves influencers would maybe aspire to be? Uh, talk to us a little bit about that experience of actually being one of these folks. Yeah, so... You know, being an influencer, I think it's definitely, you know, having your own platform is very powerful for various reasons. You know, we, you know, started, we use this as the stepping board, right? Mm -hmm. um, into, into really marketing for us and, and software. And I can talk a little bit about what we did on the software side. But, you know, for anyone, I think it's a great segue for whatever you decide to do. You don't have to stick with it. You know, you don't mm -hmm. have to you can use it to transition <laughs> and you should transition totally. you know into something to grow um so yeah creating your own content anybody can do it beforehand you used to you know you have to have a studio you know be associated with a television network but now mm -hmm. you can run a show out of your own living room and have millions of you know followers or subscribers on youtube so it's really tremendous opportunity and so with very little you know startup capital next to nothing basically you need a laptop your phone <laughs> maybe some good lighting you know yeah. you can be a star and this is actually how many stars are you know even singers are discovered on youtube they just start recording and playing around so whatever you're doing fashion beauty you know it's where you can have your own makeup line later as you've seen with so many influencers um you know my own marketing agency software company but mm -hmm. whatever it's a great platform and and why not get started but i would say first and foremost think about you know what you know who you are and your persona because it's much easier to sort of you know slide into that and lean into that rather than trying to you know be something that has nothing to do with who you you know who you are and what you really are passionate about and you love so talking a little bit about that um the brand alignments i mean the sort of dream of all content creator influencers is to ladder up to a brand partnership in some capacity or sponsored posts, ideally that align with sort of what you're putting out there in terms of content. Um, again, for our audience that have maybe not worked with brands, um, you certainly have. And again, you do this now more professionally beyond just as an influencer. What is that like when a brand approaches you when you sort of come to terms with what you're working through, like talk to us about that process and maybe some challenges um, that you experienced uh, with brands. Yeah. So I think, you know, the process of essentially, you know, it, it's twofold, you know, there's one side of it where as you grow, actually brands approach you, you know, you get in your inbox, you know, you get requests, whether it's, um, you know, your DMs so direct messaging, or, you know, it, it will be usually if it's like a bigger brand, it will be through your inbox. Always check that, make sure you're on top of that. Um, I think, <laughs> um, yeah, make sure you're on top of your inbox um, and put your, email make sure you're actually easily reachable because you'd be surprised we've spotted and we're always on the lookout for new talent and we don't understand how to contact them they basically made it impossible so 
don't do that. Make a professional email, you know, and make sure that you're ready to be reached and ready to go. I think in terms of the challenges, you know, working with brands from the other, you know, because I also understand the influencer side, you know, and the brand side now working mostly on that, um, is that, you know, make sure I would say to either, you know, have an agent or, or a lawyer, um, but somebody basically, you know, you are a creator, usually creators are creative, they're not business people. So make sure you have some sort of partner, you know, it could be your life partner, it could be, you know, an agent, it could be a lawyer, it could be an agency, but make sure that, you know, somebody else is working there and looking through the terms because, you know, the brand has its own job, which is to advocate for its own interests, which is, you know, obvious and, you know, what sh- everybody should do, but you also mm-hmm. have as a creator your own interests. So, and, you know, I would say in addition to that, always, you know, work towards like a cooperative relationship. It's a win-win situation. And so, and sometimes, you know, think through and, you know, you know, does it make sense for you as well? So sometimes it looks really appealing, but does it make sense for you long-term? Um, mm-hmm. You know, does it align with your own personal brand? Could you be you know, potentially losing out on other contracts because you're saying yes to this one kind mm. of in haste. So, um, yeah, I would say like, yeah, pay attention to those details and, you know, things will come and they will come, you know, massively. And as you get in, because brands also look at what other brands you have worked with. So it just mm-hmm. piles one on top of the other. And I think your job as a creator is just to really create I would say spectacular and unique content because you'd be surprised, you know, it's kind of like we look through and we're like kind of everybody looks the same, but it's that unique content that really gets the eyeballs. Right. And like, so it, yeah, I, I, w- I would really craft actually. And that is, that is the job of the creator carefully, your online persona. Totally. I mean, it's interesting that you say that about this, homogenization of content but there's a lot of people that look very very similar they're sort of aspiring to something they take a picture in front of that thing because they see other people do it um to your point about spectacular and unique which i love um what does that look like for a content creator these days um is it like a platform specific thing is it that they should invest in certain equipment like a I don't know. Talk to us a little bit about, like, from your perspective, being in this um, position that you're in now, like, what does it take to get on the radar of brands these days? So I think, you know, you have to decide that's, I think that's, you know, the first and foremost question of any content creator, your persona, it could maybe be okay if you're just maybe looking to work with, you know, kind of sort of your everyday brands, affordable Mm -hmm. brands like Walmart and Target and McDonald's, you're sort of portraying this everyday, you know, persona, we work with a lot of mom influencers. So there we're not necessarily looking for, you know, someone who's unique and spectacular, but sort of, it's a massive campaign, we want, you know, a profile of a person, right? Mm-hmm. But maybe, you know, in other industries like beauty and fashion, right? So outside of retail, that, you know, some people that come to mind that are so unique um, are like, for example, Leandra Medine, she had her man repeller. I know she long, mm-hmm. no longer has it, but it is just, it's a unique brand and she is mm-hmm. so memorable or like Brian Boy, right? He's so memorable. You will, you will see him once and you remember him. So, you know, whether or not they, you know, worked carefully on their persona that's you know or they were just themselves but whoever you are there is something unique about every individual i would make sure you know to portray that even billy eilish you know her and her brother were sort of recording in the basement and then you mm-hmm. know became hits on youtube 
and then management picked them up. So, you know, but they were unique. They created something unique, something different. So I would say just like actually sit there and think about that is, you know, that is your talent as a creator is to come up with this like really eye-catching persona that when someone sees you, they will not forget you, <laughs> right? You are so memorable. And that also draws eyeballs, like now also being funny, TikTok is a great platform to, you know, like display your humor and, and people want to break, you know, every single day, like maybe multiple times a day. So provide something, you know, like <laughs> some sort of laughter or just, you know, kind of, yeah, their, their escape, escapism, it can be you, yeah. For sure. Now, that's the sort of keys to success. Um, what are mistakes that influencers have made that you've seen that you sort of, ooh, um, or things that maybe they should avoid? Uh, so again, our listeners here that are maybe thinking about how to get themselves on the radar of brands or you know work with them in some capacity, what ought they not to do? So I will also say, uh, make as many mistakes as you can oh, early on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do not be afraid to make mistakes, you know, right. and, and the more mistakes you're making, that means the more you're trying and the more you're learning and the more you're succeeding, like it's just the math of it. It's so simple. So don't be afraid. I would say that. Um, and you will make mistakes. I promise you that if you're trying, you're making mistakes. Um, now with that said, I think, yeah, I think some of the mistakes be, you know, understand this is a business at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So, um, again, like coming back to that sort of, you know, it could be your husband, your wife, your partner, um, you know, or, you know, somebody, a business partner, but, you know, talk about sort of the, the goals, you know, that you have for yourself. And you talked about, you know, different brands. I think if you are, you know, you're looking at, at this, you know, as a profession, you, again, like you should really create that persona, that brand, because people can be brands too. So create that persona, understand who you're targeting. You know, again, is it that affordable everyday, you know, demographic and then stick to that, you know, don't, don't change, don't confuse people. It's really, I see like accounts that are dedicated, I don't know, to travel. And all of a sudden they have like, you know, brushing teeth or like a, you know, toothpaste product. And I see literally people are like unfollow, like that's not what yep. you are. So you can mm -hmm. maybe talk about cameras in that, you know, aspect, go to different travel locations, you know, work with hotels, um, work with whatever brands that are, you know, catered towards travelers, but you're not going to, you know, do your Colgate commercial, you know, unless it's done some in some sort of, you know, like themed with your, with, with you know, with your content. So yeah, I would say, yeah, the persona is one of the most important and then having a business partner. So let's flip it a little bit um, in terms of brands. I mean, we've talked a lot about like the individual, how do they get on the radar? What should they do for brands that are listening? And we talked to a lot of brand founders, marketing execs um, that are doing influencer marketing because they think that they should, um, because that's what everybody does these days. Um, what are mistakes that they could avoid um, when they're looking for talent? Um, because it's not a one-way street, it's a two-way street. And sometimes, you know, the folks that are in charge of identifying make it, you know, a mess. Um, so what could they do when they're trying to sort out talent um, that aligns better maybe with, with what their brands are about? Sure. I think, you know, it, sort of, you know, as a brand, you need to understand the industry has developed so much. This is not something that, you know, you can give to somebody without any experience in this field. So 
look for someone, you know, who has experience. And then, you know, definitely somebody who understands budgeting needs to oversee that person because you can really run the risk of being wasteful and not understanding where your dollars went and how the return is working. Is it working at all or is it working really well? You just don't understand where it's coming from. So um, work with some sort of, you know, marketing director, you know, if you're a startup, it's fine, you know, hire a consultant and talk to them. Um, I would talk to also somebody in technology. You know, that's one of the things as an agency that we provide for brands is different access to different parts, you know, whether you're working SEO or influencer marketing, or like how to integrate influencer marketing with SEO. A lot of the brands are like, we can do that. It's like, yeah, you should have all your marketing channels integrated. So they're coming together and you're measuring each and every one of them. So, you know, uh, form relationship with relationships with influencers, understand the pricing, understand that in some industries you have to pay the influencers just because your product is, for example, a $14 mascara. People mm-hmm. don't generally want to work for that. Versus if you are, you know, for example, in the travel industry, you can provide a lavish trip, you can work a lot further with that, right? You have a mm-hmm. lot more to work with. So it's sort of, yeah, rolling up your sleeves and understanding your own industry and that influencer landscape. And then also, you know, how are you going to form relationships with these people? Like if you have maybe, you know, budget for whining and dining, again, depending on the industry you're in, you can have really great relationships. So you're no longer just a post who's, you know, an influencer pays and doesn't care about, but all of a sudden Mm. they have a different relationship with your brand. Love that. I mean, it all comes back to the relationships, doesn't it? That's key. Well, this was so, I think, enlightening uh, to folks that just don't know enough, know a little. Uh, So really appreciate you talking to us about, you know, your experience, um, both in terms of the content creation side, but now being on the agency side, working for brands and for influencers, being that conduit. Um, So before we wrap today, which again, it sounds so quickly, the quick takes. Uh, so these are questions that we ask of every single one of our guests. Um, it is a little bit specific to hair and beauty, um, but I think that you're going to be just fine. Uh, and so, yeah, don't think about it too much. Um, the first question that we've got, we ask everybody is bar soap or body wash, which is it for you? Body wash. Love that. Um, no need to elaborate. We're good. Um, look, COVID-19 pushed us into our homes in a big way. Um, Streaming went through the roof. Uh, Some people have kept up, some people haven't. Um, But there's always reason to explore and find other things. So is there something that you're streaming right now that you're passionate about that you want to share with everybody that maybe they should consider streaming to? Streaming like watching on Netflix or... Netflix, yeah, movies, podcast, whatever it is. If you're streaming something, we know that our audience is interested in hearing because they might consider also streaming that same thing. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I've watched so many things, but one of, the things, <laughs> yeah, one of the things I'm very passionate about is conservation and, you know, mm. so there's, you know, I started watching a little bit like on Disney about, you know, our waters and our oceans. So, you know, I, I encourage everyone to educate themselves. And so in the way that we pollute and what we consume and, you know, that the plastics are dumped into oceans and, and what it does to, you know, like, you know, animals, I was, I was watching that just, you know, they can choke on like plastic from canned sodas and, you know, or like even nets from fishing, like consider becoming a vegetarian, not eating fish. 
um, you know, that they can, you know, like the, the whales, for example, they can get literally suffocate because they like us need oxygen. So their mm. things are caught in literally like either a net or even a string that's left over from a net and they can't move. So they, you know, like, you know, wildlife basically videographers will go in and risk their lives just to get that removed oh, wow. and, you know go up so yeah consider educating yourself about the environment <laughs> the so while you're streaming stream some stuff that's not mindless we love that uh, <laughs> be cons- conservation minded yeah. uh, okay one more question well actually two um one product that you cannot live without um right we're now. product junkies here yep right I'm now what is it I love like Anastasia brow like stuff. It's (laughs) just, it's so good. It's really good. So if you haven't done like microblading or anything like, yeah, her stuff is really great. Yeah. Into it. We love that big fan of Anastasia. Uh, Okay. Advice for anyone who wants to get to the top of their industry. I mean, you already shared a lot of gems. I was taking notes here, Um, but you know, quick take, what are the things that you think it takes for someone to be successful? Yeah, I think uh, I would say two things are really important. I think, you know, one of them is courage, you know, you will, you will fail, like I said, you will fail over and over again, but it's just, you know, you will have, you know, one or two up to 5% successes, but those are enough to change your life. So keep that in mind. Um, And and that obviously takes time trying, like I was just listening to, um, Gary Vaynerchuk and Mark Zuckerberg and Mark Zuckerberg has been working for seven years now in Oculus. So, um, and they're just, you know, they're basically just kind of coming up. Right. Um, So, you know, it's not overnight. It just, it takes courage and it takes time. The, the second thing I would say, um, get some sort of mentor, you know, in in the industry, Um, you know, a few, uh, you know, more than one would be great. (laughs) Somebody, yeah, somebody who already, you know, has gone through some, you know, at least some ropes, whatever you're doing, fundraising, um, you know, management, whatever it is, but get, you know, talk to people, people really help, um, you know, uh, and and also be be ready to provide some sort of value to them, like some sort of, you know, exchange of information, whatever you know. Um, and, And again, like going back to those relationships, really, you know, nurture them and work on them and, and they, they give you so much in return. Oh, love that. Well, Alma, it's been a pleasure chatting with you here on the volume up podcast before we wrap, please, please, please tell our listeners how they can find you, um, you yourself, your agency, um, let's drop all of the usernames and websites, please. And we'll include them in the show notes as well. So, yeah. So the website, you can, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur or a brand or an influencer, even if you're looking, you know, um, just to sign up on our list or a photographer, you know, whatever, you know, you are, um, Amra and Elma.com. So A-M-R-A and A-N-D-E-L-M-A.com. And then that will be, um, right. You can click on that too. And then me personally, you know, if you want to follow me, whether it's on Twitter or whether it's on Instagram, it's all my first name, E-L-M-A. And then my last name, I like to always give Beganovich. So it's began, I had like, I began to run and then O-V-I-C-H. <laughs> Amazing. Could not be easier. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, beautiful. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, and make sure that you go and follow to see what Elma's up to uh, because she's making moves and you should definitely be paying attention. So thanks again. Thank you.
right, Emma, we see you, right? Okay. Epicenter of Influence by Forbes, no doubt. Uh, really, really interesting to hear her take on influencers and how the market is going, where it's going, the trends that she's seen. So interesting to hear her take on what it was like as an actual influencer when influencer marketing was starting and then all of her tips for brands. I mean, I'm sure that those folks that are listening to the podcast that work for all of the hair brands that we work with and cover are going to be interested in that perspective as well in terms of how to make the most of these partnerships. So thanks, Alma. Thanks, Alma. Hey, and be sure to hit subscribe, rate and review. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tease, and send in questions to volume up at thetease.com. Volume Up is a Tease Media production. This episode was produced by Monica Hickey and Madeline Hickey. Brian Daly is our editor and audio engineer. Thank you to our creative team for putting together the graphics for this episode. 